Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for October, November and December 2013. Titled The Sanctuary, it is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 8 for November 16-22, to Christ Our High Priest. Sabbath Afternoon. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that we go astray. We know that we sin. We know that we are separated from you. But we also know that through Christ, our High Priest, we can be brought close to you. We can be part of your family. We can be saved. And as we study about Christ, our High Priest, this week, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us as we read the words, as we listen, as we participate. May we more fully understand your riches, your grace, and the salvation you offer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. Let's read that again. Hebrews 8 verses 1 and 2. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. After his resurrection and ascension to the heavenly sanctuary, Christ entered into a new phase of the plan of redemption. With the indispensable requirement of his sacrifice fulfilled, he was inaugurated as priest and began his priestly ministry in order to mediate his perfect sacrifice in behalf of those covered by faith by his blood. His priestly ministry consists of two phases, both foreshadowed in the earthly sanctuary, the daily ministry and the yearly ministry during the Day of Atonement. This week, we will study the work of Jesus during his daily ministry and see some of the practical ramifications that his work has for us. We can indeed draw great comfort from knowing that Jesus is now standing in the presence of God, ministering the merits of his sacrifice in our behalf. The sanctuary message offers hope and encouragement to even the weakest of his followers. Sunday, November 17, Our High Priest The New Testament book that speaks the most about Christ as priest is Hebrews. The Old Testament backbone of Hebrews consists of two verses quoted from Psalm 110. Verse 1 is cited to confirm that Christ is exalted above all because he sat down at the right hand of God. Let's read that. The Lord said to my Lord... Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. This is a recurring theme in Hebrews, one that emphasizes Jesus' divinity and messiahship. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. 
who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And Hebrews 7.26 For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. And Hebrews 8 verse 1 Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Psalm 110 verse 4 is used to demonstrate that Christ's priesthood has been foreshadowed by Melchizedek. Verse 4 reads, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Hebrews 5 verse 6 reads, As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Question. In what ways does Christ fulfill the divinely promised priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek? Well, first of all, we'll look at Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed to be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And Psalm 110 verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 to 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually." The Bible does not provide much information regarding Melchizedek, yet what it does reveal shows remarkable similarities to Jesus. Melchizedek is the king of the city Salem. Salem means peace, so he is the king of peace. His name means king of righteousness, which speaks of his character. He is detached from history as his familial line is not given. His birth and death are not mentioned. So it seems as if he had no beginning and no end, and he is priest of the Most High God. Melchizedek's priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood because through Abraham, Levi gave tithes to Melchizedek. Melchizedek, then, is a type of Christ. But Christ is even more. Aaron was the first high priest in Israel. Let's read Hebrews 5 verses 1 to 4. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. 
he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honour to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. These verses describe an idealised Aaronic high priestly office, divine appointment, representative of men, mediation before God, compassionate, and offering sacrifices for the people and for himself. The book of Hebrew portrays Christ as the new high priest. He is of a better order than even Aaron. Not only does he fulfil the requirements of the Aaronic priesthood, he encourages them. Jesus had no sin, was fully obedient, and did not need to bring an offering for himself. On the contrary, he himself was the offering, the most perfect offering possible. Jesus fulfilled both the Aaronic and the Melchizedek high priesthood in a better way than either of those priests or priesthoods, even did or could. Both types met their antitype in Christ. Monday, November 18, Advocate and Intercessor Question. Read Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 34. What great hope and promise is offered us here? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. The background of verses 31 to 34 is a courtroom scene in which we should visualize ourselves on trial. Questions are asked, who is against us? Who will bring a charge against us? Who condemns us? Such a situation could easily send shivers down our spines. After all, are we not well aware of our human imperfections and sinfulness? However, we do not need to fear. The promise that nothing and no one can separate us from God's love sent us on several important points. God is for us, in verse 31. God delivered his Son for us, in verse 32. God freely gives us all things, in the same verse. And God justifies us, in verse 33. Jesus Christ is on our side. Jesus is the answer to any fear of condemnation. For he died, was raised, and is now continually interceding for us, in the heavenly sanctuary, at the right hand of God. Verse 34. If someone goes so far as to die willingly for us, we should feel confident of his love. The assurance revealed in Romans 8, verses 31 to 39, is really telling us about the kind of God we believe in. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are recounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This truth becomes even clearer in 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2, which reads, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. The Greek parakletos designates a legal assistant or advocate, someone who appears in another's behalf as intercessor. Jesus is our advocate, and he defends us because otherwise we would have no hope. Our advocate is righteous, which gives us the assurance that the Father will hear Christ's intercession, for Christ could do nothing that his righteous Father would reject. Christ intercedes for those who have sinned, presenting himself, the one who has not sinned, as the righteous one who stands in their stead. So, to finish today... How can you better experience the marvellous truth that nothing will separate you from God's love? How can you use this assurance as a motivation to live as God would have you live, as opposed perhaps to how you are living now? Tuesday, November 19, Mediator. 1 Timothy 2, 4-6 reads, Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The question is, how do these verses help us to understand just what Christ is doing for us? In heaven. Christ is called the one mediator between God and man. There is no one else because, in fact, no one else is necessary. Through Christ's position as mediator, salvation and knowledge of truth are universally available. Verse 4. The crucial question for us all is whether or not we will take advantage of what Christ has offered to each of us, regardless of our status, race, character, or past deeds. Mediator is a term from the ancient Greek commercial and legal world. It describes someone who negotiates or acts as arbitrator between two parties in order to remove a disagreement or to reach a common goal in order to inaugurate a contract or covenant. In Hebrews, Christ as mediator is connected to the new covenant. In Hebrews chapter 8 
and verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. And in chapter 9 verse 15, And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. And chapter 12 verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. He has made reconciliation. Though sin had destroyed the close communion between humanity and God, and would have led to the destruction of the race, Christ came and restored the connection. This is reconciliation. He alone is the link between God and humanity, and through this link we can enjoy a full covenant relationship with the Lord. Paul's reference to him as the man Christ Jesus expressed his unique quality of being both human and divine. Salvation and mediation are anchored precisely in Jesus' humanity and his voluntary self-offering. By being both God and human, Jesus is able to link heaven and earth with ties that can never be broken. Ellen White writes in Sermons and Talks, Volume 1, page 253, Jesus Christ came that he might link finite man with the infinite God and connect earth that has been divorced by sin and transgression from heaven. So to finish today, think There is a human being in heaven right now, mediating in your behalf. What should this tell you about your importance in the eyes of God? How should this truth influence how you live and how you treat others? Wednesday, November 20, Great High Priest Question. What do the following texts reveal about Christ's ministry as High Priest? Hebrews 2.17 and 18, Hebrews 3.6, Hebrews 4.14 and 15, Hebrews 7.28 to 30, and Hebrews 8.1 to 3. First of all, Hebrews 2.17 to 18. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And Hebrews 3, verse 6. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. And chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be sympathized with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet, without sin. And chapter 7, verses 24 to 28. 
But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's, for this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected for ever. And chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Now this is the main point of the things we were saying. We have such a high priest, who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Jesus is the great high priest, as we read in Hebrews 4.14. He is superior to all high priests and rulers on earth. Jesus is the true and only high priest. The Bible assigns a number of qualities to Jesus as great high priest. Merciful and faithful. The two characteristics of merciful and faithful in Hebrews 2.17 fit Christ's role as mediator, for he bestows his gifts on us is merciful, and is loyal to his Father and to us, is faithful. With us. Jesus can sympathize with us, as we read in Hebrews 2.18. And, because he has lived as a human, we can trust that he is a compassionate and perfect helper. Yet, he is not in the same situation as we are, because he is, as it says in Hebrews 4.15, without sin. Over us. Jesus, as high priest, is not in the community of believers as Moses was. He is over us, like a son presides over the house of his father. Christ enjoys full authority among the saints. As we are. Jesus' divine origin did not give him any exclusive rights. He was tempted just as we are, as we read in Hebrews 4.15. The selected temptations in the Judean desert show that he was tempted in the physical, mental and spiritual dimensions in Matthew 4 verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. 
And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. For us, Christ appears in the heavenly sanctuary in the presence of God for us, as we read in Hebrews 9.24. Let's read that. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. And he also is making intercession for us, as we read in Hebrews 7.25. Thank God that we have a divine representative to appear in the judgment in our place. So, to finish today, Jesus is in heaven for us. What does that mean? How can you draw some assurance and security from this wonderful truth? Thursday, November 21, The One Sacrifice As we have seen, a crucial purpose of the earthly sanctuary service was to reveal in symbols, in types, in many prophecies, the death and high priestly ministry of Jesus. Sin is something too terrible to be solved merely by the death of animals, as sad and unfortunate as those deaths are. Instead, all of that spilled blood was to point to the only solution for sin, and that was the death of Jesus himself. That it took his death, the death of the one who was equal to God, as we read in Philippians 2.6, in order to atone for sin, shows just how bad sin really is. Philippians 2.6, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Question. Read Hebrews 10.1-14. How does this passage contrast the function and work of the earthly sanctuary service with the death and high priestly ministry of Jesus? For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ Jesus once for all.
And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified." Many crucial truths ring out of these texts, one of the most important being that the deaths of all the animals was not sufficient to deal with the sin problem. Verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. They merely point to the solution. They were not the solution themselves. The solution was Jesus, his death, and then his ministry in the heavenly sanctuary in our behalf. Notice another crucial point in these texts, the complete sufficiency of Christ's one death. Though the animal sacrifices had to be repeated time and time again, day after day, year after year, Jesus' single sacrifice was sufficient. After all, look at who was sacrificed. To cover the sins of all humanity. God powerfully revealed this crucial truth when the inner veil of the earthly sanctuary was torn supernaturally after the death of Jesus. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one reads, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. So, to finish today, look around at the world. Look at the damage that sin has caused, the pain, the loss, the fear, the hopelessness. How can we learn day by day, moment by moment, to cling to Jesus as the only solution to the sin problem in our lives? Friday, November 22. From the book Christian Education, page 160, Ellen White writes, Step away from Satan's voice and from acting his will and stand by the side of Jesus, possessing his attributes, the possessor of keen and tender sensibilities who can make the cause of afflicted suffering ones his own. The man who has had much forgiven will love much. Jesus is a compassionate intercessor, a merciful and faithful high priest. He, the majesty of heaven, the king of glory, can look upon finite man, subject to the temptations of Satan, knowing that he has felt the power of Satan's wiles. And from the same author, Selected Messages, Book 2, pages 32 and 33. The conscience can be freed from condemnation. Through faith in his blood, all may be made perfect in Christ Jesus. Thank God that we are not dealing with impossibilities. We may claim sanctification. We may enjoy the favour of God. We are not to be anxious about what Christ and God think of us, but about what God thinks of Christ, our substitute. And that brings us to our four discussion questions for this week. 1. Read Hebrews 2.17. Why was it necessary for Jesus to become human and to suffer before he could become our high priest? 2. 
dwell on the second Ellen White statement listed above, look especially at the line, We are not to be anxious about what Christ and God think of us, but about what God thinks of Christ, our substitute. How does this help us to understand what comes before when she talks about being made perfect in Christ Jesus? 3. Our High Priest, Jesus Christ, is the surety of our salvation, and He administers the effects and benefits of His sacrifice and blood. With Him on our side, we have nothing to fear. How can we take these wonderful truths so powerfully expressed in the book of Hebrews and apply them to ourselves, especially at times of great temptation? For the book of Hebrews is very clear that Jesus, once and for all sacrifice, was all that was needed for dealing with sin. What should that tell us about any religious practice that claims to repeat this sacrifice as a necessity for the forgiveness of sins? Inside Story On Jesus' Side Mimi comes from a poor family living in a small village in Myanmar, or as it used to be known as Burma. Her family had to sell their land to feed their children. Her parents couldn't afford to send her to school, so she went to work in the rice paddies when she was 13. When Mimi was 18, she learned that a Christian family in another town needed a house helper. Her parents let her go, but they warned her, Don't let these people make you become a Christian. Her friend had told her that the Christian family was kind, but still she was afraid. Mimi was surprised that her new employers treated her as part of the family. She refused their invitation to join them for worship, but she listened from the next room as the family sang songs and prayed. A few days later, she shyly joined the family for worship. How can Christians be so evil that my parents don't want me to worship with them? She wondered. On Friday, Mimi and her host mother worked hard to clean the house and prepare food for Saturday, which she called Sabbath. Mimi declined the invitation to worship in the church that met upstairs in the family's home. Then her host father asked her to take Grandma up the stairs and help her during worship. Mimi felt awkward but the worshippers were so kind that soon she became more comfortable. When Mimi's father called to check on her, she told him about how loving her host family was. He was glad, but he repeated his warning, Remember, don't become a Christian. Mimi continued joining the family for worship. Little by little, God's love seeped through the barriers of her heart. Her host mother gave her a Bible, and she took turns reading it during worship. Something in her heart stirred, and she felt drawn to Jesus. Mimi knows that her parents will be angry when she tells them that she wants to become a Christian, but she's convinced that Jesus is the true God. She feels torn between respect for her family and their traditions and God's call. I know that I must stand on Jesus' side, Mimi says. I am praying for courage to stand true. Please pray for me. Becoming a Christian in Myanmar isn't easy. Please pray for those like Mimi who have discovered the truth and want to follow Christ. 
And remember that your mission offering helps make evangelism in this largely Buddhist country possible. This week's reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Your reader has been Dr. Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.